You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. So this is the, only the seventh time in my lifetime that New Year's Day, Christmas Day fall, fell on a Sunday. Only the seventh time in my lifetime. So I was born in 64, so 67 would, been, would have been the first one. So you would think that it comes every, you know, every seven years. That would make sense, right? Except for leap year, which then you would still think that there would be some rhythm to it. But I will be almost 70 by the time the next time this happens. So the next time that I'm preaching on a Sunday at Gateway, it will be my official retirement, I can assure you. Um, <laughs> that will finish seven life cycles of, uh, of this happening with me. Well, I want to start off 2023 with three movement quotes, three quotes about movement. This was first one's from Maya, Maya Angelou, American poet. She says, you can't really know where you're going until you know where you've been. Second is from Ken Blanchard, a leadership author and coach. Ken says, knowing where you're going is the first step to getting there. The third is from Yogi Berra, Yankee catcher and coach. If you don't know where you're going, you might wind up someplace else. <laughs> so here's my take on those three quotes. To move forward with clarity requires a clear understanding of what you've been through. See, we're, we're, we're so quick to want to turn the page on things that we don't take enough time to realize we've been shaped by the previous pages. And so when we can take that in and see how that's changed us, um, strengthened us, I, I agree there are things that take their pound of flesh for sure. But God doesn't waste any of those things, all right? And they help bring us clarity to where we're going. The second would be to, to, to move forward with purpose, or I would also say to move forward with, with conviction, requires a keen sense of purpose. In order to move with purpose, we need a clear sense of our purpose, too much of life is either random um, or we just, well, we're going to just take one day at a time. I agree there are things in our life that we have got to take one day at a time. But we can't take 365 days like that, right? There has to be some sense of purpose um, and it requires knowing our purpose. And the last one my take would be you can't end up where you want if you don't know where you want to go. You can't end up where you want if you don't know where you want to go. Movement words. My goal in preaching every Sunday is around movement. I want to engage your mind. I want to engage your heart. I want to engage your will. I want to engage your emotions. But all to a purpose of action. All to a purpose of decision. All to a purpose of movement. Um, it's, it's not a win for me um, if it's just clever or, um, or you love my socks, right? Th these, these, these aren't the wins for me. My, my sense of purpose from a message standpoint 
is always going to be movement. Each year, for a number of years, in the fall, I begin really praying and asking the Father, um, where is it that you want us to go next year as a body? What what would be our sense of purpose, um, our sense of focus uh, for this coming year? And and what I've realized, especially over the last several years, that these aren't disconnected words. These these have been interconnected, especially through the last several years. So the word for 2020 was stronger. And that came in January. We had just completed, uh, we had just been a month or two worshiping in this new space. And we had just completed at the end of January, the kids that remodel for our kids and our students. And little did any of us know how strong we were going to have to be, right? Because in March is when everything shut down. The, the world shut down. And here comes a word that I, got, I grabbed a hold of with, with much excitement in January in this new phase of Gateway's life around stronger. And I had no idea what God was going to connect stronger to. And here we plowed through that year thinking about God saw this coming doesn't he always? And so preparing us for what we were going to need to do. We were going to need to dig deep. In 2021, I believe the word the Lord gave me was forward. Forward. And what I realized over the course of that year is that if we did not face 2021 with determination and hope, we weren't going to dig out of the mess that we were in. And that wasn't just culturally or, or, or health-wise. What, what I saw happen during COVID is it's, it's uh, to use kind of a plumbing term, it put stress on the system. And wherever the system was weak, it broke, right? And so that we saw that in relationships. We saw that in health. We saw that in finances. We saw it across the board. But without this kind of inner conviction of even the Lord telling us, keep, keep moving, Right? Don't, don't get stuck where you are. You are where you are. Don't get stuck where you are. Okay? And then last, word, last year, boy, I, took, I received this word with a big, big deep breath, renewal. Right? Because after all the digging out and digging, uh, and digging in, we, we needed some help from all that digging <laughs> and needed some renewal. Um, and I'll talk about that today because it's not just a one-off word for us. This year, what I believe God's calling us to is what I'm calling lead up, lead up 23, that now there needs to be this this kind of new sense of purpose and a vision for a new season. And the idea of leading up is kind of has, um, it's it's kind of a double ring to it, right? So, So there's lead up, there's a horizontal version of this, something leads up to something, right? But there's a vertical version of this about, about leading up, about, about stepping up about developing all of what God's put inside of each of us. One, one phrase that I'm, I'm playing around with is around lead up is that it's our potential, but it's other people's future on how we engage people and how we engage the things in front of us. And that's gonna, I'm gonna spend January, party, probably even February as it looks now, preaching into this idea of, of leading. Um, but when I get to the word, uh, I feel like it's important to start the year off by looking back at this idea of renewal. Because what settled in on me, because I'm a doer. Any other doers in the room? Doers, right? And so doing just generally means then I got to keep doing more or I got to keep getting better. And those really aren't much to do with renewal. 
And so what I kind of realized was that renewal is something that God wanted to do for us. So the idea that I, I, that I landed on is renewal is received, not achieved. Renewal is something received, not achieved. But then I realized to receive it, I have to position myself for it, and I have to anticipate it happening. Both become very important. Now, sports, um, I, I use different phrases in here around that. I know not everyone's interested in athletics, um, and I'm not trying to relive old high school days. Um, they taught me a lot. The team environments, they taught me a lot. The pressure that you get engaged under in any, any high-level athletics teaches you a lot. And the idea of position and anticipating came to me mostly from, I, I grew up playing shortstop, and shortstop um, is a kind of a strategic position on a, on a baseball field because you get the majority of chances at that position. More balls would be hit into that area. And I had to learn around positioning where, where I would know a hitter's tendencies. Uh, I would have to know the situation in the game. I would have to be aware of where people were. It got, I got so intricate that I would start recognizing what pitch was being thrown what area of the plate was the pitch thrown at? Because a fastball pitched outside was a tendency that that ball would not be pulled, okay? And so one step would matter whether or not you could get to a particular ball. Um, you had to anticipate that every single play was coming to you. Because once the ball came to you, you could not then try to sit there and figure out what to do with it. You had to know what to do with it before the ball got to you. So all this stuff's going on, and you think about baseball being a very, very slow game, right? I mean, it is a slow game. But all of those players' minds, they are racing in that short gap between the pitch, between pitches, all right? And so, so what I would learn is, is that I would keep my movement, I keep my body moving, and I would anticipate where this was going to go, and I could get an extra step, an extra step meaning getting to more balls, creating more outs. But it was very interesting that if you leaned the wrong way, I mean, I'm talking about just your weight here, the ball could be hit right there, and there's no getting to it because you, you find yourself leaning in the wrong direction. Your weight is the wrong way. And so when, I, when I'm talking about renewal, I'm talking about how we position ourselves to lean into what God wants to do with us, for us, through us, in us, and not get caught either flat-footed, which is almost as bad, as leaning in the wrong direction, getting distracted by the wrong things, not being in the right position, not even believing that God wants that for you at all. Too many days we go through life and we don't even believe God wants anything for us at all that day. It's just another day. I just got the things in front of me I got to do. I got the challenges I got to do. And our minds don't generally go to, hey, God has something for me today. And I say this a lot, that God doesn't waste anything in our lives. So be, and, I, and I believe that wholeheartedly, that God doesn't waste anything in our lives. So that means that everything the day holds, God has something for us. If I'm not positioned somehow emotionally or spiritually or even physically to receive that, it could go by. If I'm not looking for it, it could be right there in front of me and I miss it completely. 
My renewal text last January was Isaiah 40. And not so ironically, um, I picked up the book of Isaiah to read through December. Isaiah is a, the messianic prophet he's called. His name means salvation is the Lord. And, and, and it was interesting to me of how then I was reliving some of the renewal stuff we began with um, because of, of Isaiah 40. So Isaiah writes over the course of four different kings, um, he is living in exile. He prophesied exile. He's writing in exile. And one of the things to take in consideration when you're reading scripture, especially the Old Testament and prophets, you can get lost in some of the stories, is that these men were having to write in the circumstance in which they're writing. He wasn't off in some penthouse somewhere looking down on Israel in exile and giving them advice. He was living in the middle of exile, hearing from the Lord for words, not just for, not just for Israel, but these were words for him. See, you, you, if, if I don't feel it, I can't preach it. And you know it when I can't feel it, right? I've got to be buying when I'm selling, right? Or it doesn't go anywhere. So this stuff, I always say this, I have to preach to me before I ever begin to preach to you. It has to smack me. And so, so Isaiah is being smacked around, living in the same emotions that the people he's preaching to. And so when someone's living out something, I listen more intently. So here is Isaiah 40, 27 to 31. This is kind of how he ends. He says some great comforting. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 41 says comfort, comfort. First two words, comfort, comfort says some great things about the power of God. And he, it's a very encouraging chapter. But then he gets down here to the end. And here are the words. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and, in, um, and his understanding no one can fathom. I love the justification. Just how do you say that word? You know what I'm trying to say. I, I love, of no one can fathom the depth of my understanding. That, that is, that's brilliant. That's brilliant writing there. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. He's saying these words in the middle of all of what's going on in this exile. You do not learn many important things on a winning streak. Except like don't wash those socks and wear that same t-shirt and you know all that, don't shave. You know, all those kind of things. You learn in loss. Loss has an, an, an unbelievable way of driving lessons down deep inside of who we are. And these are the things that we hold on to. And they're not always lessons of, well, I won't do that again. Now, those are always important lessons. But they're, well, if I had to do this over, I would do, and oh, I'm going to know this now for, right? But we don't learn those things when everything is just screaming along at a frantic pace and doing, and everything working out the way we want. We don't learn those things. We're, we're on a, we're coasting. 
It's not a bad thing. We all need to coast. We all need to enjoy the wins. We all need the celebrations. We, all need, we just don't learn a lot in them. Okay? And so what's going on here is God's calling their attention, calling to their attention that, hey, you're in a slump. I know this. In fact, I put you there for a reason. You have drifted away from me. I need to get you back into position. And I am good at doing that. But when, but when he says, why do you complain? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hitting from you? Why, why um, my cause is disregarded by my God? I read those, read those words and I've read them I don't know how many times. And I go, man, I do that all the time. <laughs> all the time. When I'm in a heart or a loss, I'm like, where did you go? <laughs> what? How? Could I be in this place today and I was in this place yesterday? And Israel's doing this. And I go, I do this. And God's so gentle in the beginning of Isaiah, but he gets to the end and goes, all right, now let's have a reality check here. Why are you complaining? Why do you think now, out of all of your life, I've decided to disengage? I'm taking a break. Well, they really screwed up this time. I'm going to leave them on their own for a while. How is screwing up this time any different than the last time you did? See, the enemy wants to magnify all that stuff. The father sees it, but he doesn't disengage. So you're complaining that I've left you on your own, and I haven't done that. I haven't left you on your own. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazingly frank question that, that he asks of why do you doubt me? Why do you doubt me? I, I, I wrote it this way. Our circumstances don't change God's sovereignty. Our circumstances does not change God's sovereignty. So after the recalibrating, right? The, the kind of getting us by our shoulders saying, why, why are you in this position of complaint? He says he gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, this is anticipation, those who hope, that this is not, this is not a, a wing and a prayer thing. This is, those who anticipate that this is who I am and this is what I do. Those people, are you catching that? Those people will soar on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Those who wait expectantly, anticipate, with confidence, which is hope in the Lord, we have our strength renewed. When my strength is zapped, I can tell you that I get in a frame, framework of not anticipating God doing anything good for me. And that, is a, that ends up being a self-perpetuating position I find myself in instead of having an expectant, 
I'm not talking about wishful thinking. I'm talking about faithful trusting. I mean, literally, the word faith can mean to lean your whole weight upon, right? It's, it's, the, it's the grade school thing. Anybody ever lean back on, on two legs of your, of your right? Sorry, it is, it is to lean your whole weight upon is what faith does. It is leaning over the, uh, over the cliff with, 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 with your repelling gear on and putting your complete trust in that gear, that is what faith is. Last year, um, I actually rewrote those, uh, those verses, and I want to read you kind of my version of what he said. Don't be discouraged. I haven't thrown in the towel. I haven't lost sight of you. These last several years and all they've contained have not gotten away from me. I haven't got tired of ruling and I won't get tired of leading and shepherding you. I know that things don't make sense to you, but I can only make sense. I don't do nonsense. I'm here to give you strength you can't give yourselves. Even the most energetic and enthusiastic among you get tired emotionally, physically, spiritually. And those same least likely people trip and fall over hard things. But if you will place 100% hope in me, I will give you more strength than you can imagine. I will be like a warm, uplifting current of air rising you up over obstacles, covering vast distances with minimal strain. Trust me. Stretch out your wings and catch my breeze. If you will trust in me, strength won't be an issue for you, whether the energy for a quick burst or the stamina for a drawn-out marathon. Charlie version. So renewal isn't just last year's word. It's an every year, every day opportunity. Anticipate it. Look for it. What are you going to do when it gets here? And then when it gets here, you'll be ready to do something with it. Let's talk about positioning. We'll talk about posture here. So when you break down the word renewal, we have a prefix, we have a root, we have a suffix. Again, fresh process. So renewal is a process. It's an ongoing thing. It's not a one and done. Okay? And, and so it is, is bringing what's already in there and it's making it new. All right? So it exists and now we're making it new. Um, so again, renewal is achieved or is received, not achieved. I have to position myself for this process. I anticipate it, but let's talk about position. I think there are four different ways in which we position ourselves for renewal. All right, so all four, I'll give you all four and then I'll break them down and then we're going to receive communion today. Aware, ask, offer, obey. Here's how we position ourselves for renewal. Be aware of our need for it. Ask for it. Let's not, let's not put that one up yet. Don't let them, no cheating. All right. Be aware, be aware that you need it. Ask for it. Offer yourself to it. Obey the direction 
given. All right, let's talk about aware. Uh, most of you know that my, my, dad, um, my dad was a, a, a mechanic on a service station for 30-some years. My dad believed you and your car should be one, okay? You ought to be able to feel when something's going wrong. You ought to be able to hear when something's going wrong. You ought to be able to smell and sense when something's wrong. And the, 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 they, don't, they don't, you know, any more computers, or the cars are all computers and they know everything. Um, I was trying to find the battery in and, and, and and Gina's vehicle. I had to look it up on YouTube. On my car, it tells you how far I, this apple fell from that tree. Um, but he used to call those dash lights, he used to call those idiot lights. Like, if you didn't know to check your oil until it said it was empty, you're an idiot, you know? So, so, that, was my, so that was my dad's version of, of idiot lights, right? Now we know how many miles until we run out of gas before you had a yellow light come on, and you better knew, you know, how, you know, how far you could go on all that. So I have my own idiot lights for me. I know what my, well, here, I'll tell you this. I know my tendencies when I'm being an idiot that I know I'm, be, I'm empty, Okay? So, so I know when I'm short-tempered, I'm running spiritually low. And that's my idiot light. When I'm acting like an idiot, I'm in need of renewal. The, the problem is, it's taken me years to know what, what my idiot lights are. To know when I'm short-tempered. Or to know when I am discouraged, when I'm overwhelmed. And how I react how I react in those, when I find myself in those positions. Unfortunately, when we're, when we're unaware of being spiritually dry and empty, you know who pays the price? Everybody around you. It's not a self-contained thing. Where God places us in our kids' lives, or in our parents' lives, or in our neighbors' lives, or our coworkers' lives, where he's doing all that orchestrating in us for others. When we are being idiots because we're empty and draining and we don't know it, all that stuff goes, goes haywire. Not just, not just us. So I've had to learn my tendencies when I'm empty so that I can address them. You will never address the things you are unaware of. You know, there are a lot of people that very, are very socially inept, right? So we know this, that people, they don't, they don't know how they're received. Um, it's, it's almost like some of the things also around personal space, right? You, you, I, I, love, I love testing to find out people's tolerance for personal space, you know what I'm saying? It's fellow Georgia fan, I'm, I'm okay. Um, and how that ends up impacting, right, how that relationship, how that goes. So magnify that 20 times, 100 times, or whatever around spiritually. So, so if God wants us to be full and renewed, that doesn't mean that everything's easy, right? That doesn't mean that at all. Life is life. He's told us that. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, right? I have not overcome the trouble. If you know the verse, it says, I've overcome the world, right? So I've overcome the source of trouble, not just your trouble. Like I've gone to the top of this thing. I've taken the top off of it. So we're not talking about easy or hard. We're talking about empty or full. And then that when we can stay more full, 
then the idiot lights aren't on. We handle the things better. When we handle the hardship better, then everyone around us wins in that process as well. Until you're, uh, until you're aware that you're running on fumes, you'll never ask God for renewal. And so here's the second piece then. The second part of positioning is then, then ask. If we're aware, ask. I mean, you, you ask someone a favor when you know they have the ability to fulfill that favor, right? You ask, so, so here we, we, we anticipate that he has and he wants. We are now aware that we're in need. So now then we ask. David does this very, very well in Psalm 51. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Now, his context is he has just been outed in, in a major sin of murder and adultery. These aren't little minor infractions, right? Civilly or spiritually, they ain't minor. And he gets confronted by the prophet Nathan. you guilty. And instead of doubling down our culture today, we double down, no, I didn't do that, or no, it wasn't that big of a deal, or no. David, boom, he just, Father, create a new spirit in me. He asks. Now, David had a major blowout on the interstate, right? I, I, think, I think we have more danger of the slow leak than the blowout going 60 miles an hour, right? Like, how do you prepare for, you know, how would you prepare for tomorrow being a, a you know, let's say tomorrow you had a very uh, challenging day at work or whatever, where you knew you had to be on top of your game. When do you begin preparing for that day? Before, right? Right? And so, so being aware of, of what, what our leaks are, um, being aware of what tendencies that we have to, to cause us and put us in positions where things leak, these are very, very important to know. But when you recognize it, when you're aware of it, you've got to attach the where to an ask. Awareness without an ask is irrelevant. But awareness with an ask, there's movement. All right. Let's go, to the, let's go to the next two real quick. Offer, then offer. Aware, ask, offer. So in speaking to the church at Rome, Roman 12, Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says this. So therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Rome was a city you and I would have loved to have lived in. Rome had it all. Anybody been to Rome? Wow, take me back. Look at all you world travelers. Here was my description of Rome. Building, 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 Colosseum building, but right, it was just wild, all that stuff right there, and Rome would have been a great place, it would have been, it would have been the highest of all society at the time, it would have been the pinnacle of learning, um, entertainment, um, it would have had so much stuff to offer, and yet what Paul knew was everything that Rome offered was empty, 
It was empty. The stuff those people needed, the stuff they wanted, he had it and he was in a jail cell writing letters. And we live in a similar place. This world has anything you... No doubt, if you're listening to my voice today, you have access to whatever you want. I'm not saying we all have the same income. We all have the same... I'm just saying we... We have, we have more than enough. And how much of that's empty? How do you, how do you know? When, when it doesn't fill you up, it's empty. Like, like when, you, when you're finished eating and you're still hungry, like Chinese food? <laughs> right? Empty. So the antidote for empty living, Paul tells us right there, offer yourself in worship. That's the antidote for empty living. Satan, his goal for us is empty all the time. That's his goal. And if he can keep us busy on stuff that feels like it just tastes good and still leaves us empty, he don't care how he achieves his goals. He is ruthless. Doesn't care. He's ruthless and he's relentless. So we have to be aware, we have to ask, and if we want an antidote to empty living, we have to offer. Offer is what fills us. And then the last one's obey. And the question is, are you coachable? Are you coachable? We live in a hyper-evangelistic, I mean evangelistic, we live in a hyper-individualistic society, right, that says, no, these rules do not apply to me. We do. I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anybody standing here. We want everything crafted to us. Those rules are for someone else. They're not for me. Um, it is a rampant human condition. But the presence of God is always going to be connected to obedience to God. There, there is no way to sugarcoat that. I've, I've said this to you, I don't know how many, hundreds of times over the years. God will let you have your way. And then you will get in your own way. He says, he's the way and the truth and the life. He's the way. He even says, this is the way. Walk in it. He, he'll do everything, everything in his power, which is like, a lot, to, to make his way plain and clear. The question then becomes, whose way will we follow? Because his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts, which means in most cases, we can't think our way through the conclusion and this is what wisdom is that he offers, lowest hanging fruit in scripture next to salvation, is wisdom. Who is freely, who will realize we don't have enough of it right now and I need some from you. He doesn't demand that, God doesn't demand that we follow his way. But he does light it up, inform and empower when we follow his way. So how do we know his way? Well, two things. I guarantee if you 
if I ask you to take out a piece of paper and write down today some of the repetitive things that you do, that you know take you out of the way of God, everybody in here could write several. They're repetitive. You know they're not life-giving. And we still keep going back to that well. Part, part, of, part of the obedient side of renewal is, is stopping some stuff. So, so sometimes we can make a lot of progress not by doing things. Sometimes we make a lot of progress by stopping some things. All right? So, so when we stop some things, we leave room to add some things. Um, one of the great promises in Scripture is this renewed mind, that he'll give us a renewed mind. How do we renew our mind? Well, it, it definitely comes down to what do we put in our minds? What do we put in our minds? So, Stephen and Micah, you guys come back up. Um, my, my best illustration for this, well, it will sound a little, a little alarming to you probably, I don't know, but I was, um, I, was, it was, I was a doctoral student and I had been out of school for 10 plus years and I was going back to school. And part of going back to school, uh, Annie was three, um, uh, meant that I had to spend three weeks on campus um, at a university in New Jersey. So I find myself back where I grew up living in a dorm again after being out of dorm life for 15 or so years. You know, and then, so setting up a mini fridge through campus services and a telephone and sleeping on what basically was a cot and a cinder block room with the bathroom down the hall. My classes were from eight to 11, I had three classes for three weeks, Monday through Friday, eight to 11, one to four, seven to 10. Okay, eight to 11, one to four, seven to 10. Each class had this much to do every day to turn in the next day. And I had to get up early enough to get to a computer lab to print my coursework that I had to turn in for each of those classes in the morning. I finished my first day. I'm back in, my, in, in the Ritz. I'm back there. And my head is pounding, it's pounding, and I am a mess. I'm crying because I'm away from my family. I don't know what possessed me to go back to school, right? I mean, I'm a mess. And I just started complaining to God about it. And um, his answer to my mess was to pick up the Bible and start reading. <laughs> and my answer was, write. Do you see what I got to read? Do you see what I got to write? The last thing I need is something else to read. And I'm t I promise you, he didn't let go of that with me. This wasn't a short conversation. And I said, fine, fine. You want to, you want to renew my mind? Let's go to Habakkuk. I promise I'm not telling you a story. It's an old story, but it's not, it's not a wrong. I pick up a back and I said, you're gonna, if you're going to do it, then you do it through this minor prophet right here. Now Habakkuk, I don't know, three or four chapters in Habakkuk. And I start reading and my headache goes away. Now this is midnight. 
my headache goes away and I find myself by the last chapter, I'm, I'm actually wide awake. So not only did I then finish tomorrow's assignment for all three classes, I did another day's. And for three solid week, weeks, I stayed one day ahead of the deadline. Now that took discipline, right? But the first part took God dealing with this stubborn cuss and, telling, and trying to teach me. Now, was there something magical in Habakkuk that somehow lit everything up? No, gosh, no. <laughs> but, it, but it taught me, I brought you here. I can keep you here. Do you trust me enough to think I will do it? And are you obedient enough to do what I tell you to do, even though it doesn't seem to connect the dots to what you think you need to do? And for, I got it right that day. <laughs> is what I can, all I can tell you, is that day I got it right and it made the world a difference. And I'm telling you that even, you know, as your pastor, that day back in 2000, I guess it was, changed the way I saw scripture. And it has kept me in it. And next week, I'll introduce something to you called Life 180 and something I've done this year, and it's just changed me. Um, so in order for renewal, we have to anticipate that this is what he wants to do for you. And then you have to position yourself for it. You don't get to sit on a bump in a log and keep saying, okay, I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready. Right? It doesn't work that way. I have to be aware that I need it. I have to ask him for it. I offer myself and then I obey. And it's an amazing thing what he'll do in you to renew you. And there's more at stake in your renewal than just you. There's more at stake than just you. It's our potential. It's others' future. Um, we're going to receive communion on this first day of the year. We've, we've received communion in a number of different ways at Gateway. We, um, we have it available in small packets during response time. We've taken it by a tincture where you come and you literally dip the bread and, and take it. And then we do it um, where we pass pass a plate down the aisles. If, you, if you're a guest with us today and you're still trying to figure out, um, is God real? Um, does it matter if he's real or not? Well, I am so excited that you took the first day of the year to kind of begin that exploration. I believe this is one of the safest place, places for you to go on that journey. We are happy for you to be here. My suggestion in this moment is just, just let, the, let the plate pass. And over the course of time, you'll be able to understand what this is about. For, um, for a simple explanation, I, this is juice we bought at a store and a cracker we bought at the store, right? Um, in, in our tradition, we do not believe that it becomes the actual blood of Christ and the body of Christ, but I also don't believe it's just the juice we bought at the store and the cracker we bought at the store. There is something mystical about following God in this sacrament called communion. It is, 
It is an ingesting of his presence. In baptism, it's an immersion. The other sacrament, it's, a, it's an immersion into his presence. In communion, it's an ingestion. Because listen, he changes us from the inside out. So it is such an amazing, powerful visual. That's why he tells us to do it and do it consistently until he returns. I'm doing it today as a as an indication of his desire to renew you, to begin this year from a place of openness that you want to be filled with him, that you want to be filled with him. Um, The cups are nested together. The top cup has the juice, the bottom cup has the wafer. Um, It is, um, uh, what what is it? It's. Gluten-free, thank you, there's the phrase. Uh, it's gluten-free because we have people in our church family that have highly allergic reactions or, or uh, to, to that stuff, okay? So that's what it is. You'll take both cups, you'll hold them until everyone's served. I'll come back up and lead us through scripture to receive um, that. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.